Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode, another riveting episode. As my cats start to attack me, another riveting episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. Welcome to the Gut Wrench Podcast. Now, over Twitter, I did promise three pay-per-view reviews. So, without further ado, and without wasting any more time, let's start with pay-per-view number one. Payback 2020. I thought that we would review this a little bit, look back at most of, if not all of, the matches, because it's, it's relevant to the whole... Roman Reigns title reign thing. And according to Google, this is where it started for Roman's second um, Universal Championship run. So, Payback 2020 opens with with the highlights of SummerSlam 2020 Strowman versus The Fiend, where The Fiend wins the title from Braun... He wins the Universal Championship off of Braun Strowman. Now, during the during most of the um, packages that we see, here's the here's the thing that gets me. During most of the um, highlights that you'll see during Payback 2020, and I will never understand this at all, but for one reason or another. It's like, uh, uh, how do I say this? They keep showing SummerSlam highlights, which was probably their last pay-per-view at this point, but they keep saying that it was, quote, last Sunday. Like in the far left-hand corner of your television screen or phone screen, you can see last Sunday, SummerSlam. Please explain to me why you would have... Okay, so here's the... here's. Let me map it out for you. Last Sunday was SummerSlam, right? There's seven days in a week. Monday Night Raw. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday Night Smackdown. Saturday, and then Sunday another pay-per-view. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because there was less than six days to hype up most of these matches that I'm about to review for you. And I've got less than an hour now to do so. That doesn't make any sense. Why would they do that? Can someone please explain to me what kind of crack are they smoking or am I missing something? Why would they have SummerSlam... And instead of waiting three weeks for another pay-per-view, be like, all right, let's just drop the next pay-per-view next week. We're making our own rules now. Instead of having three weeks worth of hype, you know, three weeks worth of Michael Cole shoving the pay-per-view and the WWE Network down your throat. But anyway, match one opens up, and it's Bob Lashley... Versus Apollo Crews. And, um, right here I rated it 2 out of 5 stars. It's really too short, um, not too exciting. But for an opening match, I mean, it wasn't too bad, you know? For an opening match, I guess it it really woke me up, and I suppose it would woke my... Woke, I mean, wake most of you up too if you were to watch it. But here's the thing match number two makes no sense, especially after match number one was just a, a almost a sleeper, you know, like Lashley and Apollo were two very talented individuals, and it was for the United States Championship, which we su- we seen a new uh, United States champion. Big E versus Sheamus. Now that. That was a great match. This right here was kind of the 
rise of Biggie Langston, if you think about it, because it was kind of in a time when both of his uh, New Day brethren had been injured. They'd been put on the shelf. And once again, I'm sorry that this um, podcast was delayed. Like, I was supposed to get it out Thursday, but um, Saturday, Sunday, and it's Sunday now, and you guys are probably expecting another one on Thursday. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to make this podcast exclusively every Sunday, not every Thursday. Seeing as though that I can't keep up with uh, a schedule doing every Thursday, I'm going to have to do it on Sunday. That way that stops me from doing it on my days off, which are Tuesday and Wednesday. But anyway, um, Big E versus Sheamus. Um, like I said, his big, his, um, brethren from the New Day had been, uh, injured in one way or another. They didn't really specify how, um, honestly, I didn't watch most of these, um, pay-per-views. Um, I just wanted to take a look back at Roman's title reign and how it began and figured that it'd be pretty crappy, pretty shitty if I was to just um, review the match that I wanted to review and then go on to the next pay-per-view, review the match that I wanted to review and then just go on to the next pay-per-view, review the match that I wanted to review and then just go on to the next pay-per-view, it really wouldn't make much sense, you know? So here I am with five, six pages of nothing but content hoping to basically break down every um, every four to two star match that you, or two to four star match that you're about to hear about. Um, it was a hard hitting action with two guys weighing 230 plus pounds. But two guys who basically um, can move like cruiserweights, you know? It's, it's hard to come by guys like Keith Lee, like Samoa Joe, who are anomalies, you know? Like, a bumblebee is an anomaly. For those of you who don't know what an anomaly is, it's basically like... Um, Oh, you're, you're not supposed to do that. It would be like a pig flying. You know, that's an anomaly. A bubble being... A, a bubble... A bumblebee? Excuse me. A bumblebee is um, an anomaly because science says that its uh, wings are too far too small for its fat body to carry it. But yet, it always gets the work done throughout the hive. And on a consistent basis... Um, has been able to survive and thrive for that matter and that wasn't supposed to rhyme but oh well match 3 Matt Riddle versus King Corbin 2 out of 5 stars um okay so about this match does it make sense that Corbin would win the um and they're still announcing him at this point in time as the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal winner. No, no, they're not. I'm sorry. Um, they're they're still announcing him as the King of the Ring winner. Rather is what I mean to say. And um, whenever it comes down to it, it's Matt Riddle versus King Corbin. Um was not a very good match like it doesn't make sense if Corbin was to win the um, King of the Ring and then lose to Matt Riddle at the following pay-per-view like his King of the Ring win couldn't have been that long ago because they're still announcing him as the King of the Ring winner um, and it has to be a big you know driving home point that they're trying to sell it doesn't make much sense that they would um, say, oh, and by the way, the King of the Ring winner, King Corbin, you're gonna get um, you're gonna get beat by Riddle. And then after the match, he pretty much attacks Riddle backstage. 
um, it made almost, if not absolutely almost, no sense whatsoever to have Corbin lose. Um, and it wasn't very entertaining. The action was pretty fast. Corbin attacks Matt Riddle as soon as he enters the ring, so he doesn't even have time to, like, take his jacket off or anything. But other than that, it was just pretty bland. Um, now, here's the thing. I don't know what they did with the Women's Tag Team Championships, but that's also on this review on this um uh, pay-per-view rather so strap in ladies and gentlemen match four brings us to uh Baszler and Jax versus Banks and Bailey and before we get into that I just have one thing to ask Why are Banks and Bailey known as the Golden Role Models? Also, around this time, I want to know from you, the fans, who was Role Model, and I put that in, in quotes, so pretend that I'm making air quotes right now, who was, quote, Role Model first? Because I'm pretty sure that around this time, Britt Baker was over in AEW calling herself your role model but so was Bailey from WWE she was just getting over her hugger gimmick if I remember correctly it was a nice finish um what I have wrote written down here I mean it makes Shayna Baszler look really strong minus three points for Cole not knowing <laughs> okay so this is hilarious uh Michael Cole doesn't know what a um, uh, Samurai Driver face buster is. So, other than that, though, I just gave it three and a half stars out of five. Because Banks and Bailey pretty much carried this match. That's, that's what I'm going to say. That's what I'm going to go with. I mean, it's nothing against Nia, and it's nothing against uh, Shayna Baszler, who... Uh, Baszler's really fast, you know, she's quite the uh, technical wrestler too, if you've watched her in the ring, or at least she sells the fact that she's quite the technical wrestler, I really haven't seen much of her slams or anything like that, but she doesn't sell too well as far as like, if Banks has her in a chokehold or anything like that, I was having a hard time, um, buying into the fact that Shayna was hurt, you know? She never looked hurt at all if she was on her back, you know? Maybe that was supposed to be her gimmick, like she's dominant at all times, you know? But when you are in the wrestling world, you have to sell like you are being hurt or if you are hurt. That's what's happening. You are being hurt. And Baszler really doesn't bring that home for me. She really doesn't have the, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm on the ground, I'm woozy, you know, kind of. She never really does that. It's kind of like stingy, you know. Not to do that if you're ever in a situation in a wrestling ring where you need to sell for your opponent. But nonetheless, we see new champions. Um, okay, so um, I've made a few notes here. One of them saying that um, <clears throat> their title reign started May of that year, um, 2020. Banks and Bailey win against uh, Bliss, Bliss and Cross, um, and they were 324 days as a SmackDown Women's Champion. 
Bailey calls herself role model, but pretty sure Britt Baker did too. So if I could figure out who said it first, kind of like the Eddie Guerrero episode wherever I said who did the frog splash first. Was it Eddie? Was it RVD? You know, I'm, I'm still investigating that. Who did the frog splash first? Because RVD was over in ECW at the same time that uh, Eddie was in uh, WCW. Or at least that's what I think. You know, I could be wrong about that. I wasn't born around this time. The WCW time I was, but not the ECW time, which was before WCW, if you remember correctly. Or maybe they were running parallel to each other because Steve Austin said that he was in ECW before he was in WCW. And whenever WCW fired him, he went back to ECW. It's uh, really hard to keep up with, you know, if, if you th try to sit down and think about it. Okay, so our next match... Match 5 is uh, Keith Lee and Randy Orton. Unexpected end, 3 out of 5 stars. Did not see it coming. I, I don't remember watching this one. I, <laughs> it's all that I put, too. Unexpected end, 3 out of 5 stars. Did not see it coming. On the next page, I wrote that Keith Lee won. So, um, maybe... I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I don't remember watching Keith Lee versus Randy Orton. Wow. Some review this is, huh? Match six is uh, honestly one of the most rememberable matches that I will ever see in my entire life, and I don't remember seeing it. I don't remember seeing it of that year. Now, like I said, this is Payback 2020. Aptly named pay-per-view <clears throat> because Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy or in this case, as Michael Cole's calling them, Rollins and Murphy, throughout the whole match, he just calls him Rollins and Murphy. That's all that they refer to them as. And Ray, Mysterio, and Dominic. So, the first thing that they do before the beginning of this match <clears throat> is they recap the SummerSlam pay-per-view street fight Seth Rollins versus, or I'm sorry, Dominic. Oh my God. Seth Rollins versus Dominic. Murphy tries to poke Dominic's eye out in the ring, but Ray steps in and starts to get involved. Um, the problem with that, the problem with that is the fact that Seth was taunting <clears throat> Seth was taunting um, Ray and telling him basically, hey, you don't think that your son can get it done as well as you can, so you've got to help him at every turn, basically belittling Ray Mysterio, or for that matter, the Mysterio legacy, if you think about it. Because he was basically like berating in a way, he was being so condescending toward Rey Mysterio, saying, hey, you don't think that your son can get it, can get it done like you can, so of course you're going to step in. But as soon as Murphy, whenever um, Rey Mysterio's, whenever Rey Mysterio's back is turned, Buddy Murphy tries to get involved and takes Dominic and tries to poke his eye out. You heard me correctly, ladies and gentlemen. He tries to poke his eye out. I don't even think that that's PG, if I'm being honest with you, to quote the great R-Truth. I don't think that's PG. Yeah, he tries to poke his eye out on the uh, ring steps and Ray gets involved. Now, Seth 
said that he did it for, quote, the greater good and that there had to be sacrifices made in order in order to get to this point. And I don't know what he means by that, but I love it. I love the crazy Seth Rollins rambles. I love Seth Rollins and all of his his um Seth Rollins is the perfect example of evolution. And whenever I say evolution, I don't mean the group evolution. What I mean by evolution is I mean character development at its finest. If you'll remember, we did an episode called Storytelling at its Finest. And I plan on doing Storytelling at its Finest Part 2, but this episode is going to run parallel to storytelling at its finest in the fact that I am going to show you many examples of character development in order to understand further what professional wrestling truly is all about. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. I am losing my voice. So, anyway, we get to the next match on our card, which is the main event. Um, Something that I really didn't see coming, which they had been talking about all night, their main event. Oh, God, how great it is to be the king. Oh, hallelujah for the main event. And you couldn't, you couldn't breathe for five minutes without Michael Cole saying, and ladies and gentlemen, our main event of the evening, please stay, stay tuned. Please don't turn off of WWE Network. Another thing that I found really funny was the fact that most of these pay-per-views were sponsored by Hulu and the WWE Network is on Peacock. So, you know, let me go ahead and. Hang on, I can find it. I just got to look through my phone for a second. Let me go ahead and play them. Uh, So, how do I say this? The WWE Network recently switched to Peacock, right? And um, had had that been the case, and that is the case in this case, and they're sponsored by Hulu, It's kind of like a Wendy's event. Like, let's say a Wendy's. And this video is not sponsored by Wendy's, by the way. But let's say a Wendy's uh, cheeseburger eating contest. Whoever wins gets a $100 gift card for McDonald's. Because this event is sponsored by McDonald's. Or if you didn't hear that. So anyway, aside from my soundboards that I have on my phone, let's go ahead and uh, move on to the next match, which was the main event that... I kept talking about honestly it was very underwhelming um the biggest wow of the match and I mean the biggest what the hell uh happens whenever uh Bray Wyatt versus Braun Strowman versus Roman Reigns now weeks leading up to this match um Adam Pierce tries to get Roman Reigns to sign a contract so that But it's not one of those contract signings that you see in the ring, you know, that usually ends in dismay or somebody gets put through a table, somebody gets their arm broke, somebody gets, you know, their feelings hurt. It's not one of those wrestling uh, contract signings, you know. Instead, it's like a contract signing, like he has to show up and actually get them to sign the contract. 
And Adam Pierce trying to get people to sign the contract by the end of that night, um, he ends up walking into Roman Reigns's dressing room and asking him if he'll sign the contract. Roman, however, says he will sign the contract, but only when they make the changes that he acknowledged. And Paul Heyman says, and you can believe that. And Roman Reigns says, I'm going to show up at Payback 2020. And I'm going to win. Wreck everyone and leave. And then he says, that's not a prediction. That's not a prediction. That's a spoiler. So, it's funny to me how Roman and and Paul Heyman sort of switch catchphrases. That's not just a spoiler. That's a prediction. Or, that's not just a prediction. That's a spoiler. Wow. I can't believe that I got that one backwards. I'm not even thinking about it. I wasn't even thinking about it, rather. That's not just a prediction. That's a spoiler. And Ro God damn it. And Paul Heyman ends up saying, you can believe that. But here's basically the rundown of the match. I'm sorry for all the plugging and what have you. And uh, stalling. I'm really not trying to stall for anything. The ring breaks under a superplex done by the Fiend to Braun. The whole match felt like a one versus one. Money in the bank cash-in during the match. It seemed a mess. And still beautiful. It wasn't like, whenever I say beautiful, I don't mean like, oh my god, this match was amazing. Five out of five stars would recommend, you know, would show up again and but definitely give all my money to the waiter. You know, like... Whenever I say that it was a mess, it was almost like organized chaos. Straight from the Fiend's entrance, almost like the Baron Corbin, um, hang on, I got it, I got it down here somewhere. The Baron Corbin, Matt Riddle, because as soon as Riddle enters the ring, he just gets slugged one good time. But that, that's about it. I mean, Roman wins. It's two out of five stars. Um, TLC 2017. For the first time in 11 years, Kurt Angle will step foot inside of a WWE ring. And they keep pushing that and pushing that and pushing that. Okay, so Emma beat Banks and Alicia Fox uh, for an opportunity. An opportunity... At uh, for some reason I put adversary tonight um, versus Asuka who at the time had a 523 day title reign in NXT uh, the, oh okay wait no way okay that's for that's for the next match this these notes are so all over the place, you know. A TLC 2017, first time in 11 years, uh Kurt Angle's going to step inside of a ring. Uh Emma beat so Emma versus Asuka. Oh, okay, the longest streak in 25 years on her pay-per-view debut. So yeah, that's basically what I was talking about. And it's also Emma's first ever one-on-one uh, -on -one pay per view match. Oscar's title reign was five hundred twenty-three days long, and honestly, this was a pretty good match. 
Um, I give it three out of five stars because it featured two young women who were out to were out to prove to the world that they are who they say they are, and they are five star. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> after that was over, we basically got a whole bunch of commercials on Peacock, and then after that, Elias promo. So Elias comes out, um, as as per usual, the stage goes black, everything goes black, except for the fact that there's a spotlight on him, and uh, the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, Elias. And then he strums his guitar, and then he talks about how WWE stands for... But nonetheless, what I mean to say is that once Elias comes out and he starts tuning his guitar, um, and I'm sorry if some of you have a beef with the way that I say guitar, I'm not trying to say it like that, I promise you, but um, Elias basically starts just playing the stringed instrument whenever, for some reason, somebody starts throwing veggies at him. You heard me correctly. They start throwing vegetables at him. And for one reason or another, he looks at the crowd and says, Very funny, guys. Like, it was their fault. And whenever the lights come back on, and after he's had some lettuce thrown at him, um, it's revealed that it's Jason Jordan with a shopping cart. Full of, like, vegetables. I'm not sure why. But nonetheless, they go ahead and just move on to the next match, which was Jack Gallagher and Brian, the Brian Kendrick versus Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan. This was a high... This was a high, fast-paced match, honestly. And um, the ring action was beautiful. A four out of five stars for me. And especially for uh, Rich Swan. I forgot how addicting it is to listen to his uh, theme music back in the day. And whenever I say back in the day, obviously I'm talking about 2017. But, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. Like, calm down. Here's a match that I overlooked. One that I'd honestly forgotten about. Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James. You want to know what makes this so beautiful? Is the fact that on the WWE Network, I was told that they got rid of um, the butt slap that Mickey James gives um, Alexa. Ladies and gentlemen, they did not get rid of it. I repeat, they did not get rid of it. So, I wonder why on the network they wouldn't air that or so I was told on the internet that they didn't want you to be a spectacle in that regard that you knew about the butt slap because literally Alexa tries to break the hold or tries to break the uh, waist lock that she's in by grabbing the ropes and the ref pulls Mickey away and Mickey slaps her butt and then her mouth literally says, I slapped your biscuit butt. That is entertainment at its finest. No matter if you're a man, a woman, or whatever else. But this was for the wall, for the Raw Women's Championship. And honestly, I gave it three out of five stars. It was very entertaining. And that's what I look for in a match. It has to be entertaining. To a cat. To a point. To a certain consent. Content, not consent. Holy crap. So then the lights go out again. Um, and here's what happens Elias comes out again. 
and he's on the stage, and he says, all right, let's try this again. And for whatever reason, he's, he's playing his guitar, his stringed instrument, and um, what ends up happening is he ends up getting more fruit thrown at him by Jason Jordan. Why? But why? You know? Why throw fruit at a man? I don't understand. Maybe I'm missing something here, but you just... Okay. Fine. Cool. And by this point in time, honestly, I was exhausted watching this pay-per-view because I didn't know what to expect next. I didn't know if the Jolly Green Giant was going to pop up and just... um put Jason Jordan in a corner and basically say, stop it. Stop throwing fruit at this man. Stop it. Because he kept throwing like lettuce or, or spinach or kale at him. And it's... But, and Corey Graves wouldn't shut up about it. Match number four was Enzo More versus Kalisto for the Cruiserweight Championship. Okay, so here's the thing. Enzo lost his championship from what they did show. They showed a preview of what had happened weeks leading up to it. Um, Enzo lost his championship around two weeks ago, and um, uh, two weeks before this pay-per-view. Sorry, I had to burp. Um, Enzo lost his championship um, and then after that, he just gains it back two weeks later. How does that further the story at all, though? Honestly, if you were looking to give Kalisto a push at his first Cruiserweight Championship, wouldn't Enzo be a fitting opponent? Seeing as though that Enzo was the last champion and he does, quote, and this is what they said, have a rematch clause, have a rematch gripe. But it almost seemed like they just needed a match to fill space. So they were like, alright, Enzo versus Kalisto. We don't see anywhere any, anywhere else to put it. So um, it's going to go here. And uh, you're just going to have to deal with it. And it's not going to further any sort of story. We're just going to drop it. So here's a match that I... As I told you at the beginning of the podcast, I only wanted to discuss one match per every one of these pay-per-views that we're going to uh, be talking about and discussing today. But instead of choosing the one match, watching the one match, and then deciding that it was a good idea to talk about the one match, I decided that it was a good idea to talk about the entire event. Because that's content. Content rich, rather, you know? Rather than giving you lemonade, or rather than giving you lemons and telling you to make your own lemonade, I gave you the whole damn picture of lemonade. You're welcome. You're welcome. But anyway, back to the task at hand. Match number five was the one that I wanted to talk about toward this event. Why? Because it's a common theme. Character development. <clears throat> AJ Styles versus Finn Balor. Now, AJ was a last-minute replacement for Bray Wyatt. The Fiend, Bray Wyatt, was supposed to show up and it was supposed to be The Fiend versus Finn Balor. But last minute decision to put AJ in for a replacement, but was absolutely the best person for the job. Five out of five stars. Beauty of a match from the word go. Every time that something would happen in this match, you felt like Bob Ross 
was in front of you and he was painting the Mona Lisa. Every time that something was happening in front of you, in front of this match, you felt as though that you were more alive than you have been in years. You know those commercials that say, What does it feel like to chew five gum? And then it'll show you something that almost feels like you would imagine that it feels fun, but you wouldn't know because you don't have the money to pay for such a thing. And then it goes, Five gum stimulates your senses. That's exactly what this match reminded me of. And that's why I wanted to talk about it. What kind of character development did we get? We got huge character development from Finn fucking Balor. Because he came out almost like to the demon. And from the word yes, go, and from the fucking bell ringing, it was a magical moment that you can never get Almost as good as losing your virginity. Almost as good. Well, I wouldn't know because I haven't lost my virginity. But aside from that, just take my word for it. This match is beautiful. Anyway, we go to our next match. Which I gave 2 out of 5 stars. It really doesn't make sense that you would have this 5 out of 5 stars main event caliber match. And then all of a sudden, oh, now we're just going to shit on you. Just a little bit. Just a little bit of poo-poo, you know. Doesn't make sense at all. But anyway, this was Elias came out again. And this time he was in the ring instead of being up at the stage like he was before. But this time he was in the wrestling ring and uh, he said, okay, let's try this again, you know? And um, this time Jason Jordan came out again, again, throwing fruit at this man. So then there was a match made, Jason Jordan versus Elias. And um, honestly, it 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 wasn't very good. Uh, I'm be honest with you, it wasn't too exciting, too thrilling. And you would think that the matches that you're going to see are supposed to be one better than the next, better than the next, or does that one top that one, or what was your favorite match of the night? Oh my god, this is such a huge decision to make, because they were all so good, and everybody was so talented. But that's not the case here. Because it's easy to pick a match in which that you thought was the best match of the night. In this case. And um, according to my notes, that's the end of the pay-per-view. So, pay-per-view number three. <clears throat> nope, nope, sorry. Match number seven. I have it right here. Okay. Match number seven was a... That was right, at... You remember that whole thing about Kurt Angle being, you know, in a wrestling ring for the first time in 11 years? Well, here it is. Miz is the Intercontinental Champion, um, and the Intercontinental Championship in this particular pay-per-view, ladies and gentlemen, keep in mind, is not being defended. They could have, like the Kalisto-Enzo match could have happened on uh, 205 Live, the, the following week. And the Miz could have had a proper title match. You know. But instead they just decided not to do. Or for that matter if Jason Jordan wasn't too busy throwing fruit at Elias. Then they could have had a, a proper Miz 
Intercontinental Championship match. That's what I'm driving at here. That if The Miz has the Intercontinental Championship, why in the hell would it not be defended on a pay-per-view that they were trying to sell to people? So had that been the case, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, and Kurt Angle face off against Miz, Kane, Strowman, The Bar, which is made up of uh, two individuals known as Sheamus and Cesaro. Um, so it's a five-on-three handicap match, and the reason that it's Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose, and Kurt frickin' Angle is because um, apparently um, Roman Reigns was out with a staph infection, and so was Bray Wyatt. So that's why Finn Balor, I mean, that's why AJ Styles um, was the replacement for Mr. Finn Mr. Oh my God! That's why AJ Styles was the replacement for Bray Wyatt. I keep getting shit wrong, and I don't know why. Okay, so the beginning of this match was honestly a sleeper at best. It was boring. Let me spell that out for you: B O R R I N G I N G I N. Capital G. It was nothing but boring because there was no exciting parts, you know? It was nothing but the the heels basically pooping all over the, the good guys. And it's not that I don't want to see that. It's just that there's no good heels, no good bad guys, you know? The Miz... Possibly, but he always lets his ego get in the way. He always tries to control things and people and stuff like that. And with all these egos in the ring, Kane, Strowman, The Bar, I have a hard time understanding why the the puny little Miz would be the ring general in this case. Because people... The, the Miz... I'm going to be honest with you, compared to someone like Kane, Strowman, and anyone, any one of the two members of the bar, um, Seamus or Cesaro, The Miz is a toothpick. So why would they take orders from him? I was having a hard time understanding that from a story point of view. And if you're talking about making a good story, this doesn't make a good story, not only not on paper, but also... There were times where Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins would try to rally, but only to be shut down. And it was like, oh, okay, so this is just going to be one long ass-whipping. Why don't they just get it over with? Like, there was no point in the, the oh, I'm going to beat you up. Oh, you're, you're beat up now, and now I'm going to beat you up some more. Oh, it's time to punish you. Oh, yeah, I mean, unless you're going to kill the man, don't. Don't toy with him. You've got a wrestling match to win, and for that matter, a paycheck to pick up whenever you get out. So, I really didn't see the point in this match happening. Um, But The Miz claims that uh, Kurt Angle is a glory hog, and, you know, that's why he's going to pick his son for the next pay-per-view Survivor Series to be on... Team Kurt Angle, or whatever else, you know, The Miz has his reasons for being The Miz, but, um, yeah, it was kind of boring, it was kind of like, I was having a hard time keeping my eyes open, I'll be honest with you guys, um, until around the end, whenever you finally see, um, a conclusion come to the match, and honestly, it put a smile on my face, just because I love to see, I love to see like um, Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins. You know they rally so good, and it was so entertaining to watch them uh, try to come back, especially from a three-on-five fight. And Braun Strowman, yeah, I have it here on my notes. Braun Strowman. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, gets put into a garbage truck. Let that sink in for a minute. We've still got one more pay-per-view to cover. Um, and I gave it two out of five stars. 
And also, the tag team championships were not being defended. Like I said, you take out these three, um, these three, um, freaking Elias promos spots where he's having fruit thrown at him for no apparent reason whatsoever because him and Jason Jordan weren't even a story to my knowledge before this happened. But anyway, we're going to get to the best match now, or not the best match, the best freaking pay-per-view now. And if this does run over an hour, then I do apologize, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to talk in depth, you know, not just skim over. I want to tell them what they're doing wrong so that they know for future reference. This is a WWE Championship match, and um, it is, this is No Mercy 2016. Styles versus Ambrose versus Cena. Now, AJ is the champion, and AJ beats Cena at SummerSlam of that year, then beats Ambrose of that year at the Backlash with a ref bump, of course. A low blow. AJ retains. Yeah, so basically, that's that's what happens. Um, AJ... Okay, so... Here's here's what happens, guys. AJ Styles, he sort of taps out. But you see, in a triple threat match, unless you have a definitive winner, you don't have a winner. So, let's say that... Let's say that John Cena and Dean Ambrose both put something... Put an armbar, took an arm from AJ, a piece. Let's say that Dean took the left arm and uh, Cena took the right arm and AJ said, I quit or tapped out in one way or another. You see, the problem with that is they, they can't find a winner because who made him tap out? Think about it. They don't have a definitive winner, so the referee ends up calling it, calling the, uh, waving the call, and then just restarting the match. But that's pretty controversial. You thought that you had a new champion straight out the gate, but you don't. And um, I'm gonna give you guys a week to go back and watch that one. And honestly, um, going back and watching it myself. I thought, because the opening promo almost, I feel like, would have given it away, knowing now what I know then, or knowing then what I know now, rather, about um, 16 championships in John Cena's career, and that's what they were pushing, basically saying, hey, uh, you know... I want to tie the Nature Boy Ric Flair, and then I was like, "Oh no, is this where he wins his sixteen, his sixteenth championship? Like that would have been terrible." But other than that, I gave it five out of five stars. But just so you know, John Cena doesn't win, and most of the match felt like it was nothing more than Cena versus Styles featuring Dean Ambrose because Ambrose would just show up at times, you know. He wasn't even a part of the match most of the time. He would just show up at times. And like I said, I just give it five out of five stars because it's a beautiful contest. And it almost brought a tear to my eye. And that's not an exaggeration. I get very emotional. Professional wrestling is my passion. So, Nikki versus Mella. Um... Looks put together, last minute. Yep, it, it was basically like they were using footage from like two months ago and saying that um, Carmella's been attacking Nikki over and over again, but they only had two clips to show. Um, and no one ever asked Carmella what her problem was. They all just kept like interviewing Nikki Bella. What? Like, like, what? 
It it makes absolutely no sense. And Mauro Ronaldo, whatever his name is, he says that Mella had a dad that wrestled in WWE in the late 80s. Uh, that was never brought up again. Uh, Miz segment where he uh, talks about Ziggler and how he's going to retire him tonight. Just like he said that he's, quote, going to retire Daniel Bryan or something like that. He he says he says to Daniel Bryan, who is the interim general manager at the time, he says, you and Dolph can both go enjoy retirement together. And I thought that that was one of the best lines that you could ever give someone, especially if you're looking to make a statement or if you're looking to make a rivalry personal. And that's exactly what The Miz is very, very good at. The Usos versus Slater and Rhino for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. It was fast-paced action. Honestly, it was high impact. It was amazing, if I do say so myself. Um, This match, honestly, was a great match. And, uh, oh yeah, Nikki versus Mella. I gave it uh, 3 out of 5 stars. I think that I'm being generous, honestly. Because, like I said, it just looks put together and last minute. Um, match three, Usos versus Slater and Rhino, three out of five stars. So everything here is getting a absolute, just well put together, you know, at least halfway decent, three out of five stars. Uh, Jack Swagger versus Baron Corbin. This one, once again, looks um, put together last minute. Like they didn't have enough people on the match card or whatever. And whenever that happens, you're supposed to extend certain matches so that it doesn't happen. So that you have room on the card for the matches that you, that you have so that the superstars participating have TV time. But Jack Swagger versus Baron Corbin... Both men have had better matches. One out of five stars. So, you know, you get these three in a row, three out of five, and then the two in a row, three out of five, and then the one opening match, which is five out of five, they said that they're going to go ahead and give away the main event first. And I was like, what? Why would you do that? That's like that's like going to McDonald's and then you, you order fries, but then they give you a Big Mac. And then they tell you that they're going to give you the sandwich first. And then it's kind of like, but I didn't order the sandwich. <laughs> anyway, match number five, Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz. And honestly, this match was amazing. You should have seen the things that Dolph Ziggler had to overcome in order to keep his career intact. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It was title, the Miz's Intercontinental Championship versus career. So I wrote down a list of things that Dolph Ziggler had to overcome. He had to overcome pepper spray to the eye. He had to overcome... The skull-crushing finale, not once, but twice, he lost his shoe and his former tag team buddies, if that's what you want to call them, I'll put that in air quotes too, buddies, walks down to the ring to basically, how do I say, they try to distract the referee, but the referee sees right through it. And throws them all out of the arena, including the Miz's wife, Maurice, or Mudrice. I didn't even know that there was a guy named Mikey who was in the Spirit Squad at the time, but you know what do I know? Um, and he ends up being the new Intercontinental Champion. You know, that's amazing to me. 
this next match doesn't fit at all, but for some reason they put it in here, and it the five out of five star match Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz was not the main event. We're going to be going over an hour, but I'm going to try to go ahead and um, close this episode as soon as possible because I really want my minutes on this um, podcast content website. And they make me pay for them per month. So anyway, had that been the case, Alexa Bliss versus Naomi, it was kind of a short match and really it did nothing whatsoever to further the story between Alexa and the opponent that she was supposed to face, Becky Lynch. Imagine Alexa wins this match, okay? Then she looks dominant um, going into the next match that she would face Becky at. But instead, she she loses, and it kind of does nothing for the story. Like, if you're going to find a wrestler to replace someone, let's go back to the, to the AJ Styles-Finn Balor match, for instance. AJ was the replacement. AJ put up a hell of a performance, but... If AJ would have won this match, I would have been mad about it. Because you don't just say, hey, you're the replacement for um, this guy over here. Um, We're going to have you win against him. Therefore, making the guy who showed up for work look lazy. It almost makes absolutely no sense whatsoever especially seeing as though that Naomi was a replacement you could have made Alexa look so strong and for that matter you already announced that she was the quote number one contender for the championship that Becky held at the time And like I said, it just makes Alexa look weak, and it was so short. Such a short match, especially for being further down on the card. We have one more match, and it's Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. And on my notes, I didn't write a damn thing, because I I didn't know what to write. But it is good storytelling. Um, Other than that, because I I do remember it, unlike the Keith Lee-Randy Orton match, which I don't seem to remember, um, but Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton, it was a fantastic match. Not a match, but a fantastic storytelling, rather. The, The match itself was kind of, more than kind of sloppy, actually. It was all over the place, and it wasn't like... It was well put together, pretty good and organized, or for that matter, even halfway decent as far as the match product goes. The productivity of the match, as far as I remember, eh, seemed kind of sloppy and off-putting for that matter. And, um, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for me. Um, honestly, I, I would like to thank everyone for tuning in this week. And thank everyone for your support because last week we got 10 downloads. Now, they don't really measure it by per se, listens, you know, like, however many people are listening. For one reason or another, Buzzsprout tends to just, um, for one reason or another, Buzzsprout tends to 
just go by downloads. And I got an email saying, congratulations, you've got 10 downloads this week. Heckles, yeah, I'll take 10 downloads. So, also that's a improvement from last week where we only had 5 downloads. So I was kind of happy to see that it went up 5 points. Thank you so much for uh, everyone who decided to join. And uh, next episode might be a little bit shorter. It might be 55 minutes instead of an hour. But I would like to, once again, if you follow me on social media, or if you do not, uh, please do so. At P1 underscore B-A-Y, B-A-Y, P1 underscore baby on Twitter. Or baby. Not baby. I am not your baby. But um, if you follow me on Instagram, or as Cardi B likes to call it, the gram, it would be mocha, M-O-K-A underscore C-P-R. And if you follow me here, then I would like to thank you for your support. Also, I have a PayPal. Don't feel pressured to give any money or anything like that. Um, I really hate asking for money, honestly. So, you know, I mean, the episode's over. I just got to press the little red button here and close it. But I just thought that maybe it's appropriate, seeing as though that I'm already talking about social medias and stuff like that if you have some extra cash laying around or something and you want to see this channel grow then maybe seeing as though that i said i have a paypal it's in the description of my or in the bio rather of my twitter account thank you all so much for joining me Once again, and as my good friend Kenny Omega would say, that's a wrap.